we are so happy this morning that once again we can gather here in the Lord's house and give honor to the one who is a promise keeper. We thank God for our worship team as always. We thank God for each and every one of you who are connecting with us during this particular time of worship. And once again, as always, we ask that you would take a moment and begin a watch party, hit that share button. Uh, somebody needs to hear what the Lord is about to say, especially in this season, we all need word. And we thank God for our Macedonia family. And we thank God for those who connect with us from near and far. God bless each and every one of you. We turn now our attention uh, to the word of God this morning. You'll find us in the book of St. Luke. Luke chapter one. And even as our worship team has set the stage and the setting, uh, we're gonna be preaching from the theme over the next few weeks uh, entitled, The Promise Keeper. The Promise Keeper. What a challenging year this has been for all of us and God has made many of promises and said some things to us at the top of the year that here now at the bottom of the year, some of us may assume those things will not come to pass uh, because of the unfolding circumstances we find ourselves living in. But I want you to know God is a promise keeper. That's what this season is about, in part to remind us that God is indeed a promise keeper. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Luke chapter 1. And if you would just scroll down to the fifth verse. And there you'll find these words. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the, of the division of Abijah. Uh, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many 
rejoice at his birth. That's enough for the benefit of brevity. That gives us enough, enough context to go with this morning. I want to preach using as a subject, when God breaks his silence. When God breaks his silence. Father, we thank you for the privilege of preaching. We thank you for this moment that you've given us in time. God, we ask now that you would anoint me afresh. Touch now these clay lips and give me now a rainbow word tailor-made for this moment. And as always, Lord, let the words of my mouth and let the meditation of my heart to be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. I pray that the real preacher now would show up the Holy Spirit, that we might say something that will help and provide strength in this season. Amen and amen. When God breaks his silence, at the time of this text, it has now been 400 years since God has spoken to his people personally or through his prophets to give them a word of any kind. It's been 400 years of silence where the Lord has not spoken a word. Not a word, not a peep, not a text, not a tweet, not even an email. No, no one has heard anything from the Lord. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi and Malachi was the first or the last rather prophet to speak on behalf of the Lord. <clears throat> Malachi being one of the many prophets who had prophesied and promised that God was going to send uh, a Messiah and even a forerunner of the Messiah in days to come. But it's been 400 years and not a word not a peep, not a tweet, not a text, not even an email. No one has heard a word from the Lord. When here in the opening of our text, Luke unfolds for us here in this passage that God finally breaks his silence. And the question that was raised in my mind as I perused through this passage was why now? God, why did you choose this particular moment to break your silence? Why now, God, are you choosing to speak? Why now are you choosing to intervene in the affairs of men? And one of the things that uh, arrested my attention as I considered this text this morning, as I asked the question, why now, was that when God broke his silence, it came at a tempestuous time in the lives of the people. For you see, Luke gives us historical context and he tells us that Herod was now king. Herod was a paranoid, insecure political leader who um, made it his effort to do his best uh, to kill anyone with potential. You missed it. It was Harold who was king. Harold was a paranoid, 
insecure leader um, who killed anyone who had potential, especially those who could ascend to the heights of where he sat. And so maybe God chose this moment uh, because it was a tempestuous time in the lives of the people. And when you are living through tempestuous times, it gives you a hunger for God. Maybe God chose that moment because he knew people were hungry because of what was happening all around them. Let me bring it closer to home. Maybe it is that God is moving in such a way now because God understands that people are hungry for him in light of all that is happening around us. For this year did not take God by surprise. COVID-19, the coronavirus, and this pandemic has not taken God by surprise. No, God foreknew what would happen in 2020 back in years gone by. And God knew that in light of all the things that would unfold in this year as we are now closing it out, would cause people to have a hunger for him. Uh, I know that somebody watching me right now, you're considering your own walk with God and you would have to admit that in light of all the challenges, in light of all the things that we've encountered in 2020 as we come now to the close of this year, it has brought you closer to God. The tempestuous times have made you pray more. It has caused you to get in the face of God more. It has made you a greater, a stronger believer. It has challenged your faith in ways you never knew it would. Here it is. God could have chosen this moment to speak and to intervene because God knew that people would be hungry for him because of what was happening to them. Oh, I just love that. God knew some would be hungry for them, him, because of what was happening to them. But let me push this. I also believe that it is possible that God chose this particular moment to begin to speak, to break his silence. Watch this. Please don't miss this. Because God, at this point, now has all the people he always planned to use in place. Let me say that again. Could it be that God chose that particular moment because all the people he had always planned to use were now in place? Mary was in place. Joseph was in place. Peter was in place, James and John would be in place, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Simon the Zealot, Mary and Martha, Lazarus, all the people that God would use in that generation were all in place. Could it be that God chose that particular time because all the people he had planned to use all along were now in place. Could it be that that was the chosen generation that God had chosen to change the world? Could it be that this 
generation that we are now living in, as chaotic as it is, could be the chosen generation that God wants to use to change the world. Could it be that God is saying to us that I have chosen this particular time because there are some particular people in time that I have set aside to use and everyone is in place. Can I tell you, I believe and I want to speak this over your life that you are right where you are supposed to be for those who are saying, I wish I had been born at another time or maybe this is a time that God can't use me. Can I tell you that God has chosen you for such a time as this to change the world? Can I tell you, I believe that I'm preaching to some world changers right now. Can I tell you, you are at the right age, you are at the right stage, you're in the right place, you got all the necessary things to be effective, you are right where God wants you to be. God didn't speak for 400 years, but in that particular time, God says, now is the time, the fullness of time has finally come, the moment in which God was going to do everything that he had promised through the Old Testament prophets were about to take place, and it was going to happen through that particular generation. You have been chosen for such a time as this. You have been chosen as a world changer. You are here because God is using this moment to usher you onto the world stage that you might be a voice for him, that you might be a vessel for him, that you might bring victory to other people. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? You are where you are because God has chosen you as part of this generation of people he's choosing and calling out to be a world changer. It could be God broke his silence at that time because everybody's in place. Everyone, watch this, don't miss what I said, that he always planned to use are now in place. He always planned to use you. And here it is, let me hurry to my text. This is what I believe was taking place with Zachariah and Elizabeth. That God is now about to set in motion everything that had been promised by the prophets of old through the person of Zechariah and Elizabeth. All those Old Testament promises, all those things that had been declared and decreed, but had never come to pass, are now about to come to pass. It's been 400 years since some things have been declared and 
had never come to pass and perhaps some were of the mind that it will never come to pass. But God says this is the season and I'm going to do it during a stressful season. Ah, please don't miss that. Don't assume that the only season that God can move in is during a sun shining season. No, God does his greatest work through his people through seasons of distress and grief. It is when we are at our worst that God does his best. And I believe this is such a time. Here it is. God has decided I'm going to break my silence and I'm going to begin to set things in motion that will mark the beginning stages of the coming of the Messiah. And I'm going to do it by first of all dealing with the forerunner, John the Baptist. Notice, if you will, when we read our text, that we see a brief biographical sketch of Zachariah and Elizabeth, two unlikely individuals that God chooses to use to set things in motion. I love that about God. God loves to use unlikely people. Oh, you need to shout on that just by itself. God loves to use unlikely people. And you know why you ought to shout off of that? Because those of us who are listening and watching this message this morning, you understand you fall in the category of the unlikely. Ah, if you look back over your history and if some people uh, who knew you when could see you now, they would say that you are the unlikely. But look at how God has chosen to use you because God loves to use the unlikely. He gives us a brief biographical sketch. He tells them something about their family. He tells us something about their faith. Luke tells us even something about their frustration. Did you catch that? I said Luke tells us something about their family. He tells us something about their faith and he tells us something even about their frustration. He tells us first of all about their family. He tells us that Zachariah was a priest. And please understand that Zachariah was a priest uh, because he was a descendant of Aaron. Now watch this. Every male descendant of Aaron was automatically a priest. But please don't miss the text. Um, not only was Aaron, a, uh, was Zachariah a descendant of Aaron, but Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. But the text tells us that Zechariah was the priest. Because here it is. Um, in that day, men were priests. And they were priests, watch this, not by calling, but by connection. They were priests, watch this, not by gift, but by gender. You missed it. Here it is, um, they were both descendants of Aaron, but only Zechariah was a priest. He was a priest, watch this, 
by connection and because of his gender. Not because he was called and it was his gift. Y'all missed what I'm saying. Here it is. I don't know about you. Nothing against Zach. But here it is as far as I'm concerned. When I have a need, don't give me someone who's in a position just because of their connection and their gender. Give me someone who can meet my need, who's been called to meet these kind of needs, and who's been gifted to call those. In other words, what I'm saying is when I have a need, get me the most gifted. When I have a need, get those who have been called. Get those who can really help me because when I'm in trouble, I don't need anybody who's playing with this thing, practicing with this thing, trying to figure out this thing. I need somebody that knows exactly what I need, somebody that has a gift. If I'm discouraged, if I'm, I need encouragement, if, if I'm hurting, if I'm wounded, if I'm sick, if I need a doctor, if I'm in trouble and I need a lawyer, get me somebody who is gifted in that area. Is there somebody who says, when I have a need, get me the gifted? Oh, I feel that right there. Somebody just post that. Give me the gifted. Get me the gifted. Get me those who know what they're doing because if my life is hanging in the balance, if I have trouble in my life, I need somebody that knows what they're doing. Text says they were both descendants of Aaron. That's their family. But then we learn something about their faith. Text tells us uh, that they were blameless and they kept all of the commandments of God. Ah, uh, don't miss that. We learned something about their faith. Now, you may raise the question, why uh, is Luke telling us about their faith? Why is that important? Well, please understand. Um, it's important to understand, given the fact that they didn't have any children, uh, some might assume uh, that uh, the reason uh, that they didn't have children was because of some sort of sin. When the reality is, it was not because of some sort of sin. No, text tells us that they were blameless. Tell, text tells us um, that they kept the commandments of God. It does not say they were perfect. The text is telling us that they were, in a sense, mature believers. Here it is. The text is informing us for those who might um, um, uh, be tempted um, to, to fill in the blanks about, about why certain things didn't happen for them in the time they wanted it to happen. They might be tempted to say it was because of some sort of sin. When the reality is, it was not because of sin. It was a result of God's synchronization. You missed it. It was not because of sin that they didn't have children earlier. It was because of God's plan of synchronization. See, here it is. Um, God, uh, uh, John the Baptist's birth, watch this, had to coincide with the birth of Christ. And so here it is. Some things uh, have not happened in your life, have not come to pass in your life as of yet because God is keeping some 
things um, uh, uh, in the back until some other things come to the front. That God is holding some things in place so that some other people can get in place because when you get what God wants you to have, that thing you're going to have will not just be for you. So here it is. God's timing is important. And so that's why some things haven't happened for you, child of God. God's timing is at work. But here, not only do we see some of some things about their faith, but we see their frustration. I just mentioned to you they had no child. They um, were childless. And the text tells us they were childless because Elizabeth uh, was barren and they were both very old. <laughs> the text tells us Watch this. Luke is setting the story up. I love Luke. Uh, Luke is telling us um, uh, she's barren and they're both very old. In other words, what Luke is telling us is they are beyond the age of expectation. They are beyond the age of expecting something to happen. Uh, they are beyond the age where they should believe that they could produce anything. They are beyond that period in their life. They are beyond that time when they uh, should believe that they can expect something big from God. Yes, here it is. Uh, the text is telling to teach us uh, that here uh, are uh, two individuals um, who come um, from a priestly family and uh, they are childless. To be childless uh, was a disgrace. Uh, to be childless uh, was an embarrassment. To be childless uh, caused people to look down on Elizabeth. But yet the text tells us here are two individuals uh, who keep the word of God, serve God, watch this, and they are childless. But can I push the text and go on down to verse 7? Because in verse 7, I see something you better not miss. You better not miss it. The text tells us that here it is. Even with the frustration of not having a child, the text tells us that uh, Zachariah is still serving. Oh, you missed that. You better not miss that. You better, you heard what I said. You better not miss that part. Yes, here it is. He didn't get what he wanted from God. She didn't get what she wanted from God, but he's still serving. He's still serving. No ultimatum. Still serving. No, God, you better do this or I ain't going to do that. Still serving. Still doesn't have what he desired to have, but he's still serving. I wonder if there's some people who are watching me this morning who said, you better not assume that everything is right in my life and that's why I'm serving. You better not assume that I got everything that I always wanted and that's why I'm serving. You better not assume that I got all the money, I got all the things and all the resources that I need. No, I must admit, I don't have everything uh, that I need in this life, but I, there's one thing I have not stopped doing. I have not stopped serving. I wonder if there's somebody watching me who says, I didn't allow the fact that I don't have certain things to stop me from serving. 
I wonder if there's somebody who would just say, I'm still serving, I'm still serving, I'm still serving. Is there someone who says, I'm still serving in spite of what I didn't get, in spite of what I don't have, and in spite of what I haven't been given? Uh, ah, here it is. The text is telling to teach us he's still serving. Somebody just put down me too, me too, me too, me too. He's working in the Lord's house. And the text tells us, I got to push this, um, that here it is. Here is Zacharias. He's now at the temple. It is his turn to serve. <laughs> and Zachariah shows up. Oh, if I had time. It's his time to serve, and he shows up. And he's been given a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity as a priest. And that is to go into the holy place and to pour incense on the altar. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity because, remember, now all the descendants, male descendants of Aaron were automatically priests, and it is believed during this time there were eighteen to 20,000 priests during this time. And so there were an overabundance of priests with only a few functions that had to be carried out. So everyone only served at the temple twice a year. And everyone had a different job, and it was his job, his distinct pleasure at this time as the lot fell towards him to burn the incense. It was a coveted position. It was a coveted job of a priest to go into the temple and sprinkle incense on the burning coals as a picture of prayer that as the coals were burning and the incense were placed, were sprinkled on the coals that a fragrance would ascend into the heavens which was a picture of the people's prayers going up before God. And as the prayers were going up, the priest who had that assignment was to pray a prayer of intercession for the people. And so here he is. He's in uh, the temple. He is praying. Uh, he is interceding on behalf of the people as the people are standing outside. He's praying. And as he's in this period of prayer, Prayer, watch this, praying for other people. An angel shows up and begins to speak to him. You missed it. He's praying for other people. And as he prays for other people, he gets a visitation from that angel of the Lord. Can I tell you something? Some things will happen for you when you learn how to look out for other people. Some things will happen in your life when you begin to put other people above and first. Y'all not here. I know it's countercultural because our culture has taught us that, boo, you only better look out for you and better just do you and boo don't worry about nobody else no that's that that is 
is what culture teaches us, but that's not what Christ teaches us. The Bible teaches us how we ought to look out for one another, how we ought to cover one another, how we ought to pray for one another, how we ought to be concerned about one another. And can I tell you that when you begin to intercede, when you begin to look out for other people, that things will begin to happen for you. Can I tell you when you learn how to see how you can be a blessing to somebody else, things will begin to happen to how many know it's a blessing to be a blessing? How many know that there have been times when you have gone the extra mile for somebody else and you had a need yourself and yet in time when you met your place of greatest need, ah, God stepped in and put you on somebody else's heart. God will look out for those who look out for other people. The Bible says that he was praying an angel showed up and the angel showed up when the angel showed up watch this it scared him it scared him uh, and here's uh, what uh, uh, what I found humorous in the text um, he's in the sanctuary praying uh, and an angel shows up in the sanctuary and he startled to see an angel in the church. Okay. Maybe it's just me. He's in church. But he doesn't expect. To see an angel. In church. Okay. Okay. Um, he's in the sanctuary. And the last thing he expected to see. Was an angel. In the sanctuary. Can I say this? That there are times when sometimes we find ourselves being surprised when we come across some good people in the Lord's house. When I want to somatically suggest to you that it should not be an exception, it should be the rule. That we should get to a place where we fill the sanctuary with God's angels, with God's people, with God's messenger, that everyone, could you imagine what church, I, you know what, I keep imagining what worship is going to be like uh, when this pandemic is over. Can I just be honest and talk to you for just a moment? I believe that when this pandemic is over and we can gather again corporately, can I tell you that some of the things that used to bother us, some of the things that used to be on our minds, some of the things we used to talk about, we ain't gonna talk about anymore. Can I tell you that I believe that people gonna come back with a different spirit, that people gonna come back with a different attitude. Why? Because you've been out so long that you can't wait to get back in. And when you get back in here, you're gonna take the opportunity to lift up those holy hands. You're gonna take advantage of the opportunity to run around the sick. You're gonna take opportunity to serve in the Lord's house. You're gonna take advantage of the opportunity to be used wherever you can be used. You're gonna take advantage. You ain't gonna come in slow. You ain't gonna come in a half hour late. You ain't gonna come in dragging. I wonder if there's somebody who says, I can't wait to get back. I can't wait to get back. And when I come back, you better watch out when I get back. I'm sending out an official SOS. That means you better slide over something. When I get back, 
doubt showed up as an unwelcome prayer partner. Sometimes when we consider praying some big prayers, we don't pray some big prayers because doubt shows up as an unwelcome prayer partner. Can I personify doubt for just a moment? Because sometimes when we begin to pray some big prayers, doubt shows up and doubt starts speaking. Doubt says, you crazy. Doubt says, that'll never happen. You trying to pray a big prayer, but doubt begins to say it's too late. And then doubt goes a step further. And then doubt begins to tell you what you're not. Doubt begins to bring up all your faults and all your failures. Doubt begins to tell you why God is not going to do it for you. And so sometimes when you want to pray a big prayer, you don't pray a big prayer because doubt, that unwelcome prayer partner, begins to get in, the, in your ear and to discourage you from praying something big. Doubt comes in and tells you that will never happen for you. That can happen for somebody else, but that will never happen to you. And so here it is. Sometimes we stop praying big prayers, not because we don't believe prayer helps. No, sometimes we stop praying big prayers because big prayers hurt. Sometimes big prayers hurt because as we bring them up, we're reminded of what didn't happen and doubt begins to tell us it still's not going to happen. And so we stop praying, but I've come to let you know by way of this text this morning to get back to praying those big prayers. Can I tell you that there is nothing as we see through the life of Zechariah that is too hard for God. You need to get back to praying those big prayers. I tell somebody and say, I'm getting ready to take my prayers to another level because I had listened to doubt for so long that I started to doubt myself and doubt that God could do anything for me. Here it is. God is saying to him, I'm getting ready to bless you. I'm getting ready to do for you what you didn't think was going to happen for you. And here it is. I got to cut across the field. Um, Zachariah didn't believe it. Yes. And because Zachariah didn't believe it, then God put him on mute. God had to shut his mouth. Why? Because here it is. I don't want you to put your mouth on what I said you could have anymore. Because if you keep talking with a spirit of doubt, if you keep allowing doubt to, to get it in your ear and doubt to uh, convince you that you can't have anything, huh? then you're going to hurt your own self in the meantime. And here it is. I believe that God didn't just shut Zachariah's mouth uh, just for Zachariah. I believe that God shut uh, Zachariah's mouth for the purpose of helping out Elizabeth. Uh, because see, when God is getting ready to do something big in your life, uh, you don't need someone
someone talking doubt in your ear. And so he knew that Zechariah was going home. And he knew what he was going to do in Elizabeth's life. And so he didn't want him. He didn't want him to get to a place where he began to speak doubt in her ear. And so he had to shut him down. Do I have a witness? And can I tell you something right now? This is what God is doing in somebody's life at this moment. He's taking some people who were once in your ear, speaking a word of doubt, speaking a word of discouragement, and he's shutting them down. He's keeping them out of your ear because he's getting ready to do something big in your life. Is there somebody watching me this morning who says, I'm ready for God to do something big. I'm ready for God to do something great. I'm ready for God to do something awesome. Is there somebody watching me this morning who says, I'm ready, I'm ready. Can I tell you something? I know this has not been the best season. I know this has been a tempestuous time. I know things have been hard and difficult. I know these have been dark days. But can I tell you something? When God makes a promise, God keeps his word. When God says he's going to do something, God makes sure that it happens. God is getting ready. God is getting ready to do what you didn't think would ever happen in your life. At the beginning of the year, you had high hopes. But then we got hit with a pandemic. And you assume because of the circumstances, because of the challenges, because of things that it cannot happen and God is saying just because some things have been delayed it doesn't mean they've been denied I'm going to do just what I said I'm going to do and if you believe that this morning would you begin to rejoice would you begin to give a praise would you begin to lift up holy hands and say thank you Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, because I believe you will do just what, just what, just what, just what, just what. God be the glory. God is going to do just what he said he was going to do. To God be the glory. God bless you, man of God, woman of God, child of God. I want to say to you as we close this morning, now is your opportunity. Now is a great time during this season to connect with Christ. Take advantage of the moment he's given you to accept him as Lord and Savior. If you're saved,
for searching. Now's a good time to connect with us. We'd love to have you as part of our church family. And for those of you who are watching us this morning, I want to thank you for those who take the time to sow seed and to give and to help and assist us in the work that we've been called to do. Thank you so much. Would you do that even now? Somebody take a moment and sow a seed. You can give. You can give them a five. You can go um, to our cash app and you can give. There are a multiplicity of ways in which you can give. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir, for your gift. We thank God, even for this time, as we prepare now to leave, let's pray. Father, we thank you for how you blessed us. Thank you for how you looked over us. Thank you, God, for moving in our situation. Now, God, look upon us as we leave from this place, but never your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Go in peace, go in.